0: Hi, everyone. Radhika Jones here, editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. With award season in full swing, there's no better time to become a Vanity Fair subscriber. Let our editors take you behind the scenes of this year's nominated films, from prestige indies to major blockbusters, plus exclusive coverage of Hollywood's biggest events. Visit VanityFair.com today and save 10% on a yearly subscription for a limited time with promo code OSCARS. That's VanityFair.com. Promo code OSCARS for 10% off a year of insights and access you won't find anywhere else. Subscribe today while this offer lasts through March 31st, 2024.
1: This
2: episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hello and welcome to the special early week edition of Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair.
3: It's such an honor to present this next award.
2: And here are the nominees. And... I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with a full crew here to discuss the Emmy Awards. We have our chief critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. Our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. And joining us again, our senior Hollywood editor, Hilary Busis. Hello. And our TV critic, Sonia Soraya. Hi. Uh, it's. I love having a full crowd discuss an award show. Um, I have to say, as weird as our uh, pandemies were, the thrill of an award show never quite leaves me. And it. Um, it, it worked for me in a lot of ways. I mean, we're going to talk about the winners. We're going to talk about the narratives we saw from it. But in general, do you guys feel the same way that I do, that the Emmys were, like, pretty successful for what they had to pull off?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was impressed and pleasantly so. I was impressed by the innovation of what they did. I saw a lot of people reacting saying like they wish there had been more like mess ups and that it had been more of a shit show. <laughs> and I was like, well, I suppose <laughs> I suppose that would have made for like some entertaining TV. But I think what they did was was uh, pretty impressive.
1: That's the NASCAR theory of viewership. <laughs> 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 I wanted more cars going off the, the track.
2: literal car crashes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought it went I thought it went pretty well. I think that, you know, the more I thought about it, though, after the broadcast ended was like, what did they do that like local news broadcasts don't do every night, which is like have one person in a studio and then they cut to other video feeds. Like it felt I mean, I granted it was 150 video feeds versus, you know, a few, but, you know, minus some like little, you know, skips in sound or whatever. And, you know, differentials in like, uh people set up i mean there were people on their couches and then there was Shits creek which was having like a whole party in toronto uh which worked really well for the first you know third of the show but yeah I'm, I'm writing something right now about what the oscars can learn from the emmys given that like it seems likely that the oscars will also have to be some kind of virtual ceremony um and i think there is a lot to glean from the broadcast
3: yeah i do wonder if it helped uh cut down the amount of Technical snafus, at least at the beginning of the show, because everybody from Shets Creek kept winning and they were all in the same room the entire time. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: True. Really showing off their ability to have a party. Although, Sonia, you and I were backchanneling about why they kept having masks on and taking them off and they were in the same room. And I mean, the the, (laughs) coronavirus doesn't work differently in Canada, but there just seems something like that they got to do that we can't do.
4: They, They had some freedom. Yeah my takeaway from the Emmys ended up being that it was about as fun as it could have been. Um, mm-hmm. That like, I felt everything is sort of bleak and Kimmel was very bleak. Uh, but I kind of appreciated his, uh, his, 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 acerbic dryness um, about the whole thing, but you know, you, you do lose a lot when it's not in the same room. I feel kind of bad for some of these winners who, you know, like first-time winners like Zendaya who don't get the party and they don't get the you know, she seemed to be having a, a good time and dressed up and stuff and that's great, but um, there was definitely something lost and I don't think anyone lo- lost sight of that, but I do appreciate that it was as fun and weird and zany as it could have been.
0: I don't know, because I'm a masochist. I rewatched the ceremony after the East Coast went to bed. And um, (laughs) just because I wasn't like able to pay full attention while it was airing. And like I was looking for sort of a unifying message. And the unifying message seemed to me to be unity. Like, there was a lot of positivity. And I feel like everyone got a memo that was like, hey, we all hate Trump. <laughs> Things are bad, blah, blah. But instead of focusing on that, let's focusing, let's, like, it was like everyone was on the same campaign message, which was encourage people to vote, talk about what unites us. And I think that's why, like, the big shits Creek run at the beginning of the show, sort of frustrating as it was to feel like no one else is being included in that party, Chit Creek is a show about positivity and unity. So I feel like that like really set a tone. All of those speeches, all of their speeches had to deal with that. But like so did everyone else's like, you know, Mark Ruffalo is going off about that. Everyone is like, we're united. We are one. We don't have to be divided. Let's work together. Let's vote. Like that was instead of like F Trump, uh, which has been the message in the past, you know?
1: I was kind of surprised that given that there was really no mechanism in place to do like playoff music, like they weren't just going to cut people's feed during a speech um, in the same way that they would gently coax them off stage at a a regular show. I I was surprised that more people didn't use the like kind of unfettered time that they had. I'm sure that there was some sort of indicator that was telling them, okay, like wrap it up or something. But like Ruffalo just kind of went, you know, and I thought that we would see a little more of that. But like, like you said, Joanna, I think that people mostly were like there did seem to be a collective effort on everyone's part to make sure in their own little way that the thing went smoothly. And so I think everyone was kind of just very conscious of brevity and, you know, getting the message across. I mean, the Shit's Creek people, because they had that crazy run for the entire first third of the show, could have done really whatever the hell they wanted. <laughs> and yet they, 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 you know, being Canadians, they were very polite about it. And, uh, you know, each speech managed, you know, Dan Levy spoke three times, I think, and each or four maybe, um, and each one seemed to like, have a little different thing to say, but kept it short. So I wonder, you know, going forward, if that will instill some new kind of less of an individualistic spirit where this is my time to shine. And it was more like, this is our time to shine, which, which felt nice.
3: Although they did also have more time, I I think maybe generally speaking, acceptance speeches on average ran longer than they usually do because we didn't have to spend time with people walking up to the podium and the other sorts of things that can eat up a normal or traditional broadcast, Um, which is interesting. I think it's, it's sort of nice to give each uh, each winner a slightly longer time in the spotlight and not have to deal with the anxiety provoking swelling orchestra um yeah <laughs> i think that that's an innovation that would be nice to sort of see in the future i don't know if people could just accept their awards from their seats or something in order to give us uh that buffer in future shows but it was it's uh i didn't miss playoff music it's, yeah. it's funny. I was I was rewatching the Watchmen
0: acceptance moment, uh, like a Zapruder film. I was watching it like really closely. And like they win. Damon Lulof goes in to hug uh, his director, Stephen Williams, who who had just like lost. And Stephen is like, no, and pushes him like to go give a speech. And I was like, oh, no. Is there tension? Is there drama? Is Stephen mad? He lost. Uh, and then Damon gave his speech. And then they like had a huge hug afterwards. And I was like, no. Stephen was just like, hey, bud, get on the mic. It's your yeah, time. Like, go. They'll cut your feet if yeah. you don't start talking. <laughs> you
2: dope. Exactly. So, yeah. my, my guess is, so like the Shits Creek run in the beginning, like I think for fans of Shits Creek, it was like very fun to see them and like, you know, cutting back to them all looking ecstatic every time was fun. But I would assume they're not going to like ever do that again where they have like all comedy, all, um, Limited series at once. But like the cast of Schitt's Creek didn't want to sit there through like the morning show winning stuff that there's not their category. Like they they couldn't convince the stars to do what we did, which is watch the whole thing. So they had like category by category so that, you know, when yours is done, you can go turn it off and go to the bar. So uh, hopefully that's like a one time thing. Although it was like watching a streak like that happen and knowing it's happening so clearly was was fascinating just from like an award stat nerd perspective. It was sort of. I, I mean, I felt like I
4: just felt for the viewing experience. It got a little like it was great that they had a party to go to, so that you could see like outfits and and kind yeah. of some glitter. But um, it was a little tedious. I mean, I wasn't I, no no shade to the show, but I, I was a little bit like, okay, this is not the most thrilling like first hour of a of award show where I keep cutting to the exact same room. These same people are making speeches. I was a little disappointed at how clumped the winners were, actually. That felt like it felt a little less creative than the award show itself.
1: It was also yeah. fascinating to watch because everything was clumped together to watch Schitt's Creek have a backlash in real time. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> after the third award, people were like, is the show really that good? Like,
2: well, didn't Dan Levy see that? too? Yeah. He was like, oh, God, the Internet's going to turn on me. It's like, yeah, well, he was probably
1: checking Twitter. I think that that has mostly abated. But yeah, um, that was unavoidable, though, because I think you're, you're right, Kitty, that they had to give people their slots. And um, so they weren't just glued to a laptop or whatever the hell uh, all night.
3: And sort of interesting that Schitt's Creek managed to win all of these awards for a season that a lot of Schitt's Creek's fans haven't seen yet, because it hasn't yeah. yet aired on Netflix. Right, mm-hmm. right.
4: I was interested, too, our correspondent Julie Miller was in the virtual press room, and none of them showed up for ages and ages, right? like They never showed up back, to the quote-unquote backstage press room, and they had plenty of time to, even, even after their sort of like 40-minute dominance, they only came in for a minute together. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I think maybe it's just really not as fun for them to be doing it over Zoom and they're just like we want to we want to hang out at our
2: party and enjoy our statues now. But you don't want to leave a real-life party to go get on Zoom? with
0: the, uh, the impulse you have now.
2: <laughs> I don't I remember think, what a real-life party is anymore,
0: so... <laughs> I also think it's interesting because, um, like, I, I can't tell for sure where people were. Like, was Zendaya at home when she accepted her speech with that, like, Beautiful Supremes poster behind her? Or was that some sort of, like, grim room Well, in she the had theater? been at the Staples Center well, that's to what, present, that's, yeah, so, yeah. that was my point, is sort of, like, they had the drama candidates, like, they had Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston and Zendaya there, like sort of towards the beginning of the show. So, like, give those people time to get home, question mark. So, like, they're at the theater, they did all the comedy awards, and so that they could be home in time for, like, the drama categories.
3: Given Lisa Kudrow and Courtney Cox showing up for Jennifer Aniston's bit at the end of the show, though, that also felt like she was maybe still at the Staples Center. And Jason Bateman Right, wandered, Bateman's right, still there. Yeah. I was like, yeah.
2: either either Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman are really good friends, maybe, or they're just still at the Staples Center. No, you know? I don't know why you wouldn't just have a green room. <laughs> I mean, that's why they did it at the Staples Center, so there'd be room for, like, literally whatever you want to do. Right, exactly.
3: Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I, I'm as fascinated or more fascinated by the logistics of pulling off this show, pulling off as much of it on site as they did. I didn't really anticipate there being so many presenters appearing live on screen so many presenter like maskless presenters like basically interacting with each other in a way that like i kind of didn't think was going to happen in a show like this i thought there would be more pre-taped stuff i thought that there would be more virtual or at least uh off location presenters and bits and stuff like that so i mean I, did they just have a massive testing opera apparatus that happened like two days before the show like I I don't know I'm curious I hope that we can find out more
0: I will say the fact that, like, Julianne Arasic and Vivica A. Fox had to pull out of their e-hosting duties, like, last minute because they tested positive for COVID makes me hopeful that they were actually very rigorous with their, um I mean, at least e-was, I suppose, but, um, like, yeah. with their with their testing of what's going on. And I was actually, once again, I was, like, re-watching and I was looking closely and, like, there are a few of those Holloway presentations where it's possible that they could have... Taped them earlier because they didn't like pan over to them. They just walked down that hallway, so it's oh, that's possible that a few of those I don't know for sure. But it's like possible Jason Sudeikis that... wasn't necessarily there in person, mm-hmm. right? Or like there or like, there Park, at the same time or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it happened the
3: previous day or something, right? Yeah. Jason Sudeikis getting a
2: COVID test on the air. like I don't know if that was a real COVID test, but it looked like a real COVID test. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like subtly a great idea, just like normalizing that process. I don't know who is watching the Emmys who needs to have a COVID test normalized for them, but I like that. Well, we should also
1: <laughs> be careful to mention that you know the, that the. The Television Academy has a vaccine, but you need,
2: <laughs> you you mean need to get six it. SAG
1: credits to get it. So. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but, but, Richard, but, you're not supposed to say that <laughs> the sorry, sorry. Uh, but, but speaking of, of Sudeikis getting the COVID test, I, I, I did like the addition of, for a few of the categories, they had, you know, essential workers, first responders, people like that giving out mm-hmm. certain awards. Uh, the things they were kind of scripted to say about their own experiences during the pandemic didn't always sync up perfectly with, and now here's an award for TV acting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the woman who, like the, the, the nurse, the nurse or, uh, who yeah. got COVID and then was like, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it was a nice gesture toward, again, that sense of, of communal spirit, which was not just, of course, people in the television industry, but like people, the world, and you know, all around the world and all around the country. I thought that that played not maudlin. It didn't seem pandering. It genuinely seemed like you've had a really rough, six months uh working on the front lines of this thing and now here is just a silly opportunity for you to like you know be on national television and give out an award and and it's it's probably a tiny tiny comfort for really hard-working people who've seen a lot of scary things but i thought it was pretty well integrated into the general flow of a very self-aggrandizing award show
3: and so was the charity drive for no kid hungry um which was understated apparently raised a lot of money according to kimmel by the end of the show which i guess i it seems like there's got to be some kind of charity component to any major pandemic era entertainment yeah. event because otherwise we just look too frivolous and out of touch
2: but I think if you can do something like that and then it makes Tracy Ellis Ross feel free to wear an amazing gold dress and, like, <laughs> let Zendaya, like, go full Bardot, like, if that's the trade-off for letting these people, like, feel okay being glamorous, I'm happy to take that. Oh, yeah, that's I'm a so, win-win. win I'm so glad to see the, like, gowns and any of that stuff. Like, I don't think it is inherently frivolous to, like, dress up and look pretty for the Emmys, and I'm really glad enough people embrace that.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm entertainment journalist Drew Taylor. And I'm filmmaker Charles Hood, and we host Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. But right now, we're about to launch our first ever universe expanding miniseries. That's right, get ready for Light the Fuse presents The Directors. We'll speak to filmmakers who have made iconic Paramount movies and get them to open up in a way that only we can. That's right, listen to Light the Fuse presents The Directors wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Something, something else I really liked was, um, I think they only did it for comedy, but maybe I missed something. When they did the outstanding comedy series nominees, they had like different people who weren't yeah. affiliated with the shows, like introducing the shows. Um, so Zoe Deschanel introduced "Dead Like Me," and Morgan Freeman did the Kaminsky Method, and a football player who I could not identify did "Marvelous Mrs. <laughs> <This was> Maisel." <laughs> thank and you,
0: G-W-E-O
2: thank G-W-E-O you Union very much. You about "Insecure" in a shower cap. <laughs> yes, yes, that oh, was so, so great. great.
4: Um, I actually really liked that, and I wish they had done that for more categories because i think that's uh that's just a really fun part of any awards show is seeing the connections between people in the industry and and them standing for each other is cool yeah they didn't do it for drama did they
2: no i feel like and they also like stopped airing clips i wonder if they just like started cutting things because they ran out of time yeah Yeah. we, we
4: missed something yeah
2: Yeah, I mean, God, if they like had recording of like I don't know who like talking about how much they love Succession, and we didn't get to see it, I'll be really pissed. I know. There was also also the whole like concept
0: of like we'll deliver the Emmy to you was like very erratic, right? Like Jeremy Strong got his, um, Zendaya got hers, but like Jeremy um, Strong got his,
2: I hope from his wife. It was his wife that person. Yeah, I I rewatched it.
4: It was (laughs) only his wife.
2: And then some people had boxes with glitter.
4: Uh, like, uh-huh. I wasn't sure RuPaul who had got gone. what. Like, why did Regina King have a box with glitter? And then why did Toronto, you know, all the people in Toronto have the hazmat suit with the
3: statue? Like, what's And the- Rami
2: had the hazmat suit. Walk away. <laughs> Walk I went away, away from, from you, Sam. So.
3: Yeah. I, think, I think it was based on categories. Uh, the comedy categories had hazmat suits. I guess Rami did, too. And limited series and reality had, or and variety, I guess, had the boxes. Something. Did like- Jesse
2: Armstrong have oh. any Emmys? Or does he just in that, like, weird magic eye room... Cause A lot they of them didn't have to Emmys the at all. UK.
0: Like, like, let's just think about <laughs> they that. They to Canada, well, apparently they only brought the acting awards to Canada. I found out later. Like, all, like, oh. Shit Creek didn't get all of their Emmys. They didn't get their like directing and writing Emmys and stuff like that. So, oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, just think about like the 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 UK people who did show up. It was like four in the morning there, <laughs> and like. Poor Paul Mescal is like in his like little suit in his little like with his little house plant behind him. You know what (laughs) I mean? And then like Helen the Bottom Carter is like draped out in lingerie, kind of with like Um, two dogs. Yeah. So, like, amazing. you know, uh, we were we were noticing who didn't show up. Some questions about like, did they know in advance? And for the most part, the people who didn't show up seemed to be either Australian or UK folks, for whom the time difference was just like pretty. Hugh pretty Jackman outrageous. was there. I wonder
2: Hugh if Hugh Jackman he's in is in Australia. Is always there? Hugh yeah, Hugh Jackman <laughs> will <does> not <laughs> not show up. Oh, and he didn't win. And Richard, you and I were both tweeting about this, like, separately, that, like, his best performance of his career is in Bad Education, and it's a shame.
1: that he. Yeah, and I saw some people, and I don't disagree with them necessarily, being like, well, why did this sell to HBO when, you know, I guess the whole idea was like, well, if it can't get Oscars, it'll get Emmys, and then it didn't get the Best Actor Emmy that it deserved, and maybe he could have had a chance at the Oscars. Um, But, you know, that's the risk you take. Um, Mark, Mark Ruffalo is good, in. I know this much is true. I didn't love the series as a whole. I don't even know how many people watch that series, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, that was like a big disappointment win for me. But I think on the whole, the spread other than Schitt's Creek was was good. Like, obviously, Watchmen winning a lot was both, you know, deserving and expected. And um I don't know, was the biggest surprise in Day F for all of you? I mean, I, that felt like the biggest one to me. And it was a happy surprise.
3: I think that Jeremy is strong over Brian Cox is a surprise in a lead actor, but I was thrilled for him. I think that he's of everybody in succession. I think I would give him the Emmy, even yeah. though the acting across the board is great, and I do think that everybody deserved to win. I actually
4: feel like I shouldn't have been by surpri- as surprised by Zendaya as I was because I I think what we're seeing is that Emmys rewarding younger talent. They're beginning to be more interested in the breakout roles. I think at like a previous like even the fact that Jeremy Strong won over Brian Cox, which I which I predi- I my one prediction that I'm proud of is that I thought that that would happen and it did. <laughs> um, I sort of felt like just thinking about how Phoebe Waller-Bridge kind of rolled over a lot of comedy faithfuls last year I think the Emmys are excited about new people. And I think that they, I mean, I was very impressed that they were so excited about Zendaya that even though Euphoria had no other nominations and she's never done this before, she got first time nomination, first time Emmy.
0: Yeah. And if you if you add that with like Julia Garner who at who won last year but like still and then Dan Levy who's like relatively, you know, like new kid on the block sort of thing. Um, I think you're right that like the Golden Globes tendency of like we want to plant our flag on someone like the Emmy is catching that fever <laughs> recently. So yeah.
3: Uh, speaking of Julia Garner, um Going into tonight, Netflix had by far the most nominations, but on the main event night, it only won two awards, um, which is kind of amazing, considering just how completely... I I mean, I guess really what that speaks to is that the Emmys, like the Grammys, have a lot of categories, and it's possible to rack up a lot of nominations without necessarily getting a lot of big wins, Um, but I feel like that's got to be very frustrating to the folks at Netflix. That they still got completely hammered by HBO. And that they're the reason Shits Creek is a big deal.
2: Netflix did not get to win the Emmy for Shits Creek, even though Netflix is the reason most people have seen Shits Creek. No, mm-hmm. I
0: I was gonna say I was checking in on that stat later and like you're right, Hillary, by like qualifying it as like in the main show, and that still is like an optic that must be frustrating for Netflix, but like uh, they came second overall because like H- HBO had thirty total and they had twenty one total, so they racked them up in like the 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 creative arts Emmys and and the technical stuff and stuff like that. But like, yeah, it's still it's still a really poor showing for them uh, relative to years past. So.
1: But they lost the Best Babysitter Club prize to Euphoria, which I thought was surprising.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Babysitter's
3: Club kid. is
2: eligible next year, and I look forward to their Emmy sweep. I'll be Babysitter's I'll be Club wins for
3: every
0: award in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I want to talk about... Strategy and how like I may be changing my mind from where I was last year in terms of like strategic nominations because okay so last year there was a lot of talk around what happened with Game of Thrones in terms of like they very strategically only put themselves up for one writing award and the wrong episode and they lost um and and then we you know there was that big story about how Gwendolyn Christie and Alfie Allen had to submit themselves because they were trying to be strategic about the actors. And they got nominated. And then a lot of vote splitting happened. I mean, Peter Dinklage still won. But like, a lot of vote splitting happened for Game of Thrones. But I was like, hey, man, let everyone be nominated. It's fine. And then (laughs) this year, Watchmen kind of got bit by that and Succession. Like, Succession got bit by that in, in the acting categories. Like, I feel like one of the Succession guys would have won if there had only been one or even two of them. In the supporting actor category, I mean, I, I mean, the that didn't help Sarah Snook necessarily, but like, that's how I feel. And then with the with Watchmen, it was the directing category, and it really breaks my heart because Steven Williams, who's so great, who's been working on TV for so long, uh, who who directed one of the best episodes of television ever in um, the episode of Watchmen that he did. Really, no offense to the winner, but like, there were three Watchmen directors in that category, and I really feel like between Nicole Castle, who was essentially like a co showrunner on the show. And Steve Williams and Steph Green, like they really got in each other's way um, in that category last night.
4: Oh, absolutely. That directing category was, I mean, Watchmen nominated three times. And I feel like that's especially the type of nominee where one clear favorite is, no, that's the, especially the type of category where one clear nominee isn't going to like rise to the top. Because as you say, like, in the supporting actor category for Succession, um, Billy Crudup was double nominated too, like Mark Duplass was nominated in that category as well. So it's kind of interesting how the vote splitting like worked and didn't. But I mean, I think it would be pretty easy to say that Billy Crudup's a little bit more of a... Awards contender. His role's a little bit bigger. He's doing he's doing a little bit more. I'd say uh, he's doing something. <laughs> Whether or not we can we can <laughs> we can agree he's doing something. Um, I like him in the role. And meanwhile, with uh, with the actors, I mean, if I had to choose between Kieran Culkin and Matthew McFadden, I mean Nicholas Braun is also incredible, but I would end up being stuck between those two, and I don't know who I would choose. For, like, who's the the best supporting actor in succession. I think it's just some really difficult choices that the Academy had to make. And yeah, I, I would be really curious to see the spread between Braun and Mcfadden and Culkin. I'd, I'd be really interested to see if they just cannibalized each other.
2: Yeah, they're just like each had the exact same number of votes. Yeah. Just right. so hard yeah. Which is a classic them. succession narrative. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah. And the Kendall gets to be the number one boy of everyone from succession. at all Daddy,
4: Daddy's best boy. Yes.
2: <laughs> so good. He got, he got that kiss. He yeah. got <laughs> <friend Daddy.
1: laughs> I also think we can't downplay the fact that Billy Crudup's win stands as yet another testament to the fact that like you really should try to sing some Sondheim uh, <laughs> in, in your show if you if you want to you know move Adam Rivers like
3: hey man doesn't work for everyone <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that is you if know HBO I mean, I,
3: had aired Marriage Story <laughs> <right. than everybody laughs> singing a different tune
1: but I think you know the, the, the fact that Jennifer Aniston won the SAG for Morning Show and now Billy Crudup won an Emmy for it and it had a lot of other nominations is like. Really good news for Apple TV Plus in a way that I feel like they haven't had a lot of good news. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know what the ratings are for those shows, but like they have been struggling to create buzz for their, you know, and they really seem to have poured it all onto the morning show of late. I know that the Chris Evans show was pretty popular, but... But, you know, I wonder how much like a sort of slightly down ballot win, what that actually does for a machine like Apple, like obviously it it helps to some extent, but um, I don't know actually how like how much it reverberates around the company.
2: And they're going to be in the Oscar race to some extent as well because they have Voice State and probably a couple other movies as well. But yeah, like Apple TV Plus is a massively expensive streaming platform that barely seems to exist for a lot of people. <laughs> are like you, a lot of streaming platforms.
0: Yeah. Are you, are you ready for my favorite Emmys 2020 stat? Is it the Quibi uh, one in Emmy? It's that Quibi now has more Emmys than The Wire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you say favorite stat, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, the fact that Pop TV has more best series wins than Netflix is Well, crazy. good for Pop. Yeah. Like, I feel like. I know. Like, because I'm sure the CBC shop you know,
0: when when they were looking for a U.S. deal, I'm sure they approached a bunch of different people. Pop is the one who, like, went for it. I'm sure other people are kicking themselves now. And it's true that the Netflix bump is a thing, and, like, Eugene Levy did at least shout out Netflix once in the, like, you know, the final award
3: that they won. But, like, uh, yeah, g- good for Pop. <laughs> I gotta say, though, talking about Schitt's Creek, I, I maybe this is, like, my own personal bugbear or something, but, you know, Schitt's Creek is a comedy that is very, like, warm and fuzzy and inclusive, as we were saying. Um, You know, it's, like, very good pandemic watching. It's very good binge viewing. But there's another comedy that never broke through at the Emmys and is also over now, and that's The Good Place. And that is just something Mm -hmm. that I don't understand, like, how it never managed to kind of get the the, the same sort of attention either from... I guess, from the internet at large. Well, no, it's very popular, uh, like, among, I think, like, Netflix viewers, and yeah, but for some reason, awards never came for The Good Place, um... And instead, this good American show is being beaten by a Canadian <laughs> upstart. Um, and I so, sound yeah. like
0: Kimmel. <laughs> I feel We're
1: like injecting place, nationalism into this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I feel like the good place for all of its like narrative innovation did suffer from the fact that it's a you know broadcast network show from an established showrunner with you know big TV stars, are you know already established TV stars in the lead roles. I think it it seemed more like a conventional choice, even though the show itself is pretty unconventional. Um, Much less
3: conventional than Shits Creek which is yeah, a family exactly.
1: so but Shits with all of its attendant you know Canadianness and pop tv-ness and CBC-ness and all that stuff like I think that it stood out as this kind of organic I mean it's not really organic because it was really Netflix that gave it the bump but like you know hit that a uh, show like The Good Place that had sort of a huge engine behind it from the very beginning didn't have and I think the Emmys were you know with with Shits Creek winning a lot with Zendaya winning uh, a, a big prize like I think they were strenuous in some, you know, subconscious way even, to prove that they are adaptable to the times and have a contemporary view of the television landscape. And The Good Place, for as good as it is, just um, kind of didn't fit that model.
3: Although it is funny also that Shits is probably the whitest show that... Well, Succession. Never mind. Succession's pretty white. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I I mean,
4: No, but it was very interesting seeing these, like... Uh, these two family dramas that are about entitled white rich families like Bookend and Emmys that in the middle like tried to be about diversity. <laughs> um, and I, I think both shows uh, critique that and and do interesting things with that. Um, but it, it was an interesting vibe to take away from the evening. Um, like we think this show about policing is probably important. And here's Tyler Perry. And also the shows that we liked was This White Family and This
0: White Family. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, like I was trying to figure out you know what? It, what is like really rubbing people raw about this like comedy section in the front? And I think it is like the fact that they had a whole segment spotlighting Issa Rae and then Insecure like wins nothing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. then it feels like and Lena Away Lena America. yeah. Ferreira. But like, but Issa was like in the comedy block of the show, and I was like, that just feels like salt in the wound to be like yeah. Issa. Rae, try telling Issa Rae no. Cut to Issa Rae, and it's like, <laughs> no, you don't win any awards tonight. You know what I mean? Like I was. Like, that felt like a stumble, for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's only so far you can go in touting. And, like, you know, there were a lot of people color nominated, um, but there's only so far you can go in congratulating yourself for that, um, depending on the winners. But then again, like, Succession, I think, was the best drama nominated. Like, it is a super white show, but I'm really glad to see it win. So you kind of, um I don't know, some good comes with some bad.
4: Oh, yeah, No Shade. I mean, I really like both shows. I just think... uh this goes back to, remember when we were talking about how Jesus and Miro didn't get nominated, and I think it's such a worthy show. I think just the Academy just is what it is.
3: <laughs> they, they, they,
4: they, 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 what appeals to them is what appeals to them. And it's not like they're wrong, but it reflects their perspective.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're going to just keep giving this award to John Oliver every year until John Oliver retires, even though his show has been doing the same thing every year, that is true for a lot of talk shows, but uh, as uh, Chris Rosen, one of our contributing writers, pointed out um, when we were predicting the Emmys, of all of the talk shows that had to go virtual this spring in the midst of the pandemic, Trevor Noah had maybe the most innovative approach, he expanded his show, he was doing different sorts of things. Um, That deserved some recognition. And yet they're still, and you know, Samantha Bee was broadcasting from her backyard, like everybody was doing, everybody was trying to figure out a new way to broadcast their talk show during COVID, especially in the spring when things were the worst in New York and LA where these things are filmed and the stubborn attachment to rewarding John Oliver's show when his show probably changed the least, like does kind of feel like you know, they're going to make an effort, they're going to rewards Zendaya. they're going to not just give Mrs. Maisel a ton more awards after doing that same thing for two years, but there are ways in which the TV Academy is stuck in its ways and seems not very eager to try to get unstuck.
0: I also feel, and I don't have obviously any hard data to back this up, why would I? But um, the... Uh in a world where like streaming has taken over and we don't really do appointment viewing and stuff like that. I really feel like HBO Sunday night is still like very much a thing. HBO Sunday TV night. And so like the, the shows that air on HBO Sunday night are going to be rewarded. And like John Oliver has certainly benefited from the bump around those shows. Those seem like appointment television for at least like the kind of people who would belong to the television Academy. You know, did you guys see the video of Samantha B opening Her non-Emmy box... Oh my no. god. no. She took like a palette knife. It looked very challenging. She took like a palette knife to it. Um it's a very long video. I eventually like scrubbed to the end of it, but eventually there was just like a bottle of champagne in there, which I was like, that's a nice no. thing to send. Like you didn't get you didn't get an Emmy. I don't know why they made the box so hard to open, but <laughs> but here's here's a bottle of conciliatory uh, champagne. Well though. if
1: that's the case, then I, I hope that the hazmat suit guy waiting outside Rami Youssef's house also had champagne with them. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think Rami the, um he did not win the Emmy he was not for it did win Twitter by posting that video of the oh hazmat God. suit just person waving goodbye after he lost. It really
2: is like the grimmest image somehow. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: It feels so
3: sad. Well there was almost
1: something that the hazmat suit guy being like I'm going to be back but for a very different reason. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know.
3: yeah, you're on your own for now yeah. Yeah. you're not going to be so happy to see me again.
2: Yeah, that and, like, Kimmel's reveal in the beginning where they were cutting from old um, footage of Emmys of the audience laughing at him. And we were all kind of watching this happen in Slack being like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. And then the reveal of him being in this empty room, it was just like, God, that's grim. It was such a bleak moment. and. It had to happen, but um, it was interesting to see, like, the gloss of the award show kind of fall apart with the, like, this sucks. It sucks that we have to do it this way.
3: Although, I don't know what that opening really drove home to me was how easy it is to make it seem as though you're delivering (laughs) jokes to an (laughs) award to a regular audience packed with people. Like, I don't know. I get, is everything fake, man? Like, (laughs) it's really freaky.
4: It was a deep fake tutorial, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Wow.
2: Okay, any final Emmys thoughts? I do think it's interesting that you know two of the shows we talked about the most, Shits Creek and Watchmen, will not be back. I guess I no, I don't know. Damon Lindelof seemed maybe more open to letting someone else make another season of Watchmen last night than I had thought before. Really? But anyway, like I thought the opposite and, of what well, he, he said. was just oh, okay. he just kept being like I'd be happy to hand the baton to somebody well, else. Um, that's so that's it's, so Damon.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so Damon of him. But uh, can I just say that like when when I was like thinking about the Emmys, I was like, do you think the uh, to myself, Joanna, do you think the reason Damon Loft has been so insistent that this is only one season is because they want to get that limited series Emmy. And then he went out and said, like, I think it would be a betrayal to everyone, like for the fact that we did so well in the limited series category if we went around and announced the season two, which is like wow. exactly what Big Little Eyes did, right? Yeah. Um and so um I was like, yeah, I, I kind of, I believe him. <laughs> I believe that he doesn't want to do this. And he also said, what he said is that, uh, and our and our colleague Julie Miller got this great quote in the press room that, like, he wanted to move into, like, a curating phase of his career where he was highlighting other people's works, which is something that he's talked about with Watchmen, how, like, he couldn't really be the one to tell this story, even though he definitely, in a large part, was, but that he was, like, kept trying to elevate the other voices, like Core Jefferson and other people who worked on the show. And so I think he wants to, like... Be more of a like a JJ Abrams esque producer, highlighting non-white straight male voices because Tim and Lindelof has so much guilt always uh, about his his position in Hollywood, and that's uh, I mean that's a great thing. I would be I would be sad if we didn't get another like very Lindelofian show uh, out of him, but like I think it's really cool that that's what he wants to do with his refurbished star. You know,
3: I want him back on Twitter. Yeah. Oh God! No!
2: Get off! G- stay away, Damon! You preserve your brain. <laughs> please, it was out, so please. funny when he
0: was making
3: fun of Justin Bieber's hat.
2: His Instagram is really, is really good. It's really, really good. There we go. That's the, that's the consolation prize. Um, Okay. So yeah. So Schitt's Creek won't be back. Succession will be back. Any like general Emmy trends that we can talk about other than, you know, sometimes they like new things except when they can't break out of their old patterns. I was just going to, I don't know if this is related
4: to that, but I, I was genuinely surprised that Jennifer Aniston didn't win the Emmy. Um, hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but, you know, she was clearly excited to be there. She was in a bunch of the pre-show stuff. She's a, she's a Television Academy favorite. I don't know. I was surprised. Clearly, they watched Morning Show. If Billy Crudup got nominated, you know, got the got Emmy, uh, that was kind of an. It interesting. does feel
2: like Jennifer Aniston's like comeback is still like on a slow and steady. You know, like the, the Fast Times or Ridgemont High thing last week. Like the Morning Show is going to have a second season. Like she is, she is having more of a moment now than she has in a while. Mm-hmm. It seems. It, mm-hmm. If the Friends reunion never happens outside of that <laughs> one thing they did last night, didn't everyone think that was Laura Linney's
0: category to lose this year, though? Like, just just by expectation and prediction,
4: I. Also was surprised that Zendaya beat her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 For me, I would say, I mean, the one narrative we haven't talked about is is FX and how, you know, th- this is a big year for FX in terms of becoming like FX on Hulu and trying to hold on to its brand identity uh, in in that change. And, uh, you know, they had a great win for, for Uzo Duba for Mrs. America. This wasn't like maybe their strongest showing, but they, used, they, they have in years past been stronger players in the bigger categories here in the prestige categories. And so the fact that they really only had mrs america that had like a ton of buzz around it like devs didn't hit the way they wanted to etc um and the fact that with mrs america really only one went out of that you know i hope for bigger and better things for them in future years because i'm I'm a big fx fan but um and they a big hulu Fargo coming. yeah so fargo's coming yeah but hulu had such a great year too and I'm i'm really bummed that they like could break through with you know normal people or the great or our high fidelity or any of the great shows that they put out this year so it would be nice
3: if we could like take all of our Shit's Creek energy and put it onto pen 15 that's that's my <laughs> 2021 <laughs> goal yeah
2: um all right well thank you all for watching the Emmys with me it was really fun like I said at the beginning to have an award show to um to dig into and um now we just have seven months of Oscar season ahead so everyone buckle up Katie, that's bleak. The uh, the the, the <laughs> tone message was unity and uplift. <laughs> unity and uplift. I mean, we literally call ourselves an awards season podcast every month of the year. So if anyone is prepared for seven months of Oscars. I'm excited.
0: I just got invited to a drive-in premiere of Blythe Spirit at the Movelli Film Festival. So like, See? I'm like, the magic's alive for
2: this <laughs> one event. <laughs> Okay, that does it for this week's show. Um, thank you for listening. Find a ton, ton of great Emmys coverage at VanityFair.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at LittleGoldMen and on our own. I'm at Katie Rich. Richard had to go. He's at Ryla's. uh, And Joanna? Joe wrote this And Hillary? Hillabuster And Sonia? Sonia Soraya. This week's episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. And this week's award for our worst iTunes podcast review, which you should leave. Leave a better one than this. The award goes to Sonia Soraya.
4: This is not the most thrilling first hour.